friends and family, welcome back to the new scoreboard. This is Love God Like Sports here again with Brian Davidson. Brian, how are you today? Well, I'm doing great, Nate, but probably not nearly as great as those Chicago Cub fans out there. And uh, <laughs> I know. Chicago land, right? Right? That's right. It's been, uh, what, 108 years? 108 years. And no, Nate, I was not here when that streak started. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm telling you, it was... Um, it was quite the World Series, and uh, good on the Cubs for finally winning. Uh, that yeah. was uh, that was uh, quite the final game and extra innings and all. Uh, had to, had the laugh though. One of the best. Oh boy, you know those signs that a lot of churches have out front, right? You know, and yes. some of them have been hilarious. You know, um, whether with wording that you know, was meant well, but had bad implications or just some other clever signs to, you know, have you think about coming to church. Well, best ever, I think for me now, number one has to be the one at Central Baptist Church out in uh, Illinois there. And it has a blue picture of, you know, with a cubby right in the middle, the C in the cubby. And it says at the top, FYI. If you made any promises during the bottom of the ninth, services start at 1045 <laughs> Sunday morning. <laughs> so to all Cub fans who made those promises, you know, to God, <laughs> if only you'd let us win, you know, now's the time to pay up and get to your local church. That's right. This Sunday. <laughs> That's hysterical. You know, and I've yeah. got to say too, um, and, and I think you would agree with this, Brian, that, um, as a Red Sox fan, even though it was, you know, a great moment back when the Red Sox finally won the World Series and broke their streak, I feel like this was a much better World Series game-wise and from the perspective of a fan-wise than that World Series actually was. Yeah, and again, I mean, for us Red Sox fans, you know, four-game sweep, in and out, great. It wasn't in Boston. Unfortunately, when the Red Sox have won it and the Cubbies have won it now, it wasn't in Boston. But, yeah, you can't – there's no substitute for a seven-game World Series. And then the seventh game going into extra innings. I mean, I think I saw – I was like over 40 million um, were, were viewing that final. And many stayed up till after one. I mean, it was just – it was incredible. And you had two teams – it was, it was actually a guy back in uh, November of 2014. It was kind of funny. He predicted the Cubs and Indians, mm -hmm. it would go seven, and the Cubbies would win it in extra innings, and then the the end of the world would happen. <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of grateful that the last part didn't, but, you know, very interesting prediction. But, yeah, such a fun game. I mean, for a Red Sox fan, we had plenty of representation there. Theo, the architect of the Cubbies, and um, John Lesser, the pitcher, played a big part. David Ross, the catcher, going out in his final year and yeah. hitting a home run. And and then Tito, you know, the manager of Cleveland, you know, as a Red Sox. So it was kind of fun to see those guys. You know, the interesting thing, though, 
uh, again, and I, I don't mean to like throw a wet blanket over all of this because today's the big parade for the Cubby fans, but it is like taking a bite out of a cotton candy. You know, in a few weeks, give it a, a month, the fan mm-hmm. is really going to be like, is this it? You know, is yeah. this what we've been for? Because immediately attention, especially in this day and age, will turn to next year and there'll be new players, new free agents, new trades, players released, all that kind of stuff. And it just goes right on. And it is, you know, it's fun. It's, it's that whole week, that worship, that community, that cause that's greater than ourselves that we were made for we're finding our sports teams and my caution is just that we enjoy it for the fun it is i know you do nate Mm -hmm. and joy does and everything and it was great fan thing but like you go right on you know um the the cleveland fans you know you know if they're going to be in a misery for a week they lost they were three games up to one and they come back you know then there's a rain delay they feel the gods are against them I mean, it just goes a little, you know, overboard there. But as entertainment goes, it was fun, you know. So yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, Joy and I were having, um, we were having a great time, you know, texting with you and calling you and giving you updates on things, and you know, ask even asking you questions about, okay, well, why did they decide to do this as opposed to that, and. To me, right. that was that's just that's the enjoyment of sports. You know, Joy that's and I right. were sitting down watching the game, and I said, you know, to be quite honest with you, this is one of the reasons why I just can't sit here and watch baseball from the television because there's it, it feels like there's too much downtime. When I'm in the stands, it's a different feeling. There's a lot more going on. There's the energy and enthusiasm from the other um, people in the stands. And so th- there is a different community going on. Um, but but it is a very different game from soccer where you have 90 minutes of straight back and forth action. And I, I just – I told Joy, I said, you know, I, I love – being with people who know and understand the game, um, being able to call you and talk to you and ask you those questions. It's just, it, it's a great fun time to do those things um, yeah. without, you know, without being so invested that I'm going to go crazy and pull my hair out because of <laughs> one outcome or the other. Right. Exactly. And yeah. And, and it is, it's, it's fun. I have some friends. I had one friend in Chicago who he had a game, a playoff soccer game, and he's you know he really loves the Cubs, and he's kind of bummed that they're going to clash at the same time. And uh, they actually got a storm while he was on the train with the team heading to the game, and got a text: "Games canceled," and they were one stop away on their way to the game, and they were going by Wrigley Field, the <laughs> Wrigley Field. Ball. So they were like, "Let's get off!" So they all got off. And they went to the Cubs stadium and uh, enjoyed the game from Cubs stadium. So that was kind of fun. That's for them, awesome. You know? That is yeah, great. It was. And there's another side of it. And I, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to say it from a, at all from a, a pride standpoint. But just to kind of like, you know, God, God's worked in my life with regards to sports to really – 
helping me put it in perspective. And, and it'll always be a challenge. Like I said, I'm a sports junkie recovering, you know, addiction <laughs> to, right. to, to that. But, you know, there was a situation for me where I had a dear brother, I won't go into the specifics, who was uh, facing, you know, a really challenging situation. And it was a life-challenging situation, not as far as life or death, but just, just really challenging for him at a particular time. And uh, really felt like uh, he needed the support and, and me to, to be there. And so it was right during the World Series. And it was an hour and a half away. And uh, one thing I've realized is that people and our relationships are far more important than our sports addictions. And that we should find that ministry is never convenient yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's always inconvenient you will always have to fight against my flesh when to watch the world series game seven right um but my um heart my life my passion for for people and and their needs knew that i needed to be there for for this brother who would certainly have been there for me so um, that's why we were on the phone, and I couldn't get the station on the way back. I yeah. still was probably the fourth or fifth, and so that's how we got in the discussion, and, and that was kind of fun. And then the phone dropped, and the, couldn't get the game. Anyway, so there we have it, our intro, the Cubs win the World Series. Absolutely, and this has um, actually been great because I think – what we're going to see is going into our topic. This is actually, this is kind of an interesting one. And you and I were talking about this offline. We don't really know where to place this because it's kind of a continuation on presence, but it's also another P because we're going to be talking about the pitfalls of presence. And so, you know, leading into it, I think we we mentioned some of you know in our in our discussion what some of those pitfalls could be. You were saying, you know, you had the opportunity to go and be with this friend and really minister to them and and love on them essentially, and, and you had a choice to make. And how easy would it have been, especially with you know you having to drive an hour and a half away? So that's an hour and a half away and an hour and a half back. That's a three-hour round trip. Um, how easy would it have been to just say, oh, you know what? I'm just I'm tired. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to watch the game. Um, and and you know nobody would have been any the wiser for it, and and it probably would have been fine, and life would have gone on. But but you made a conscious decision that this was important to you and you had to do this. Um, and that could have been for, you know, any number of reasons, the prompting of the Holy spirit, your own conviction in that. Um, and so talk to us a little bit about that. Let's hang on that for, for a few more moments, um, before you dive in. What, what is it that really kind of finally settled you on this? This is something that, that I have to do. Well, you know, interestingly, it was a no-brainer for me. I didn't even have to think about it. Like, I mean, it was, if I thought about it, it was, it was seconds. It really wasn't a, a tough decision for me simply because I'm an old guy. I'm 56 years old. I've been through the, like, sports just doesn't do it for me. I'm, I'm going to sit on a couch, uh, even in a game seven that, that's exciting and all, and, you know, enjoy something that, again, is it's an entertainment value. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so it is fun. I would look forward to it. But I have no, those guys don't know me. I don't know them. Mm -hmm. One day later, it's going to make no difference to me really at all. What Do I get off of something of saying like I watched it or whatever? You know what I mean? So it's one of those where, and I'm a baseball guy. I you know, really enjoy baseball, probably the best sport that I ever played. But, you know, here it's, it's, it's a friend, it's a person, you know, that I really dearly uh, love and have journeyed with in life through sports for a very long time and um, just felt like oftentimes when people are very, very, very successful, too many people run to them. Everybody's there. Um, I generally withdraw a little bit at that time because of sport going well. But then sometimes it doesn't go well and there's nobody around. Right, right. At that point, you know. And those are the times that we're most needed. So this is a guy I truly love. Uh, as I, uh, you know, uh, Theo Epstein, uh, let's see, would he be at my funeral? No. Would Tito <laughs> Francona be at my funeral? No. Uh, is the chance of my good friend being at my funeral? Yes. You know, 50-50, you know. But that's what it is. There's, there's a tie-in there to a relationship that has eternal value rather than entertainment value and that's that's our you know that's our our calling to people right and mm. and to i i need people to journey with me at my difficult times i want to journey with them at their challenging times and uh, it was a joy and pleasure to do that and when it was over and i was heading back i was you know, back into the game, you know, so um, no hesitation of decision, zero regrets. And uh, as the Lord would have it, the game would go into overtime and have a rain delay. And I really enjoyed the last four innings, you know, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Brian, talk to us about um, some of these pitfalls with presence, because in our in our first episode in part one, we, we discussed presence in terms of our nearness to God, drawing closer to him. And our second one, we talked more deeply about uh, the humility. And so people then, because of our humility, being able to see Christ, being that humble servant. Um, so today we're talking about those pitfalls that can ensue. And I think more so than than anything, this is one of those more practical applications where we're going to see some of those pitfalls. And here's where we can start to maybe work through those things and work out of those things. Right. Yeah. So, and we've alluded to this a little bit in the past, but Christians in, in sports today really need regardless of their role, responsibility, if they're a Christian and they're going to find themselves in the environment of competitive sports, must prepare themselves, um, especially, you know, the closer we get to, if we're between the lines as an athlete competing or if we're on the sidelines as a coach or in the pan, in the stands as a parent, um, we've got to just be really prepared for the environment of competitive sports because, as one mom put it that I read uh, about, I think there was a there's a website called Moms Institute, and it, it's very fascinating. Um, it's interesting how some of the things 
that they're suggesting there. It's not a Christian website at all, but uh, are some of the, my suggestions for this this week. They just had uh, coming up with a mission statement for your family. I thought, what? Whoa! <laughs> you know, have you been listening here? But um, it's it's this vortex of dysfunction that exists out there. And that's what one of these ladies I was reading an article said on Mom's Institute. And really what that means for me, it's, it's a whirling mass of messy people uh, that you get there. And it's an emotionally charged place. And what happens is there's three lethal toxins that I believe are, are being released there that absolutely will kill a vibrant Christian witness. And these toxins, these three toxins actually spew forth from our our life adversaries mm. <laughs> and 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 those adversaries are our flesh the world of sports and our enemy mm-hmm. and our our flesh desires pleasure right so even like my decision the other night you know oh let me just watch the game you know type of thing oh do i really want to go in the get in the car drive right so your flesh it uh, wants pleasure, wants enjoyment, <laughs> um, it, and and all. Uh, same thing with the world of sports. Same things with the enemy of God. What happens here is they have pride, they have um, deceitfulness, and they have selfish ambition. So our opponents, the flesh, which is weak, the world of sports, right, which is in contrast, which creates a lot of tension. And um, contrary values to our Christian life and the enemy who is out to destroy us and devour us, those are our opponents. All three of them spew forth this pride, deceitfulness, and selfish ambition. So, so like the flesh wants pleasure, but it's all about self, right? Mm. It's it's all all and, it, and it's kind of it's deceitful in saying if we get these pleasures, we'll be satisfied. We're not. Um, and it, we're very, you know, our flesh is, has a lot of prideful attributes. The world of sports, perfect greenhouse for growing pride. I mean, um, deceitfulness in saying that if you win the world series, you will be happy, you know, um, forever, you know, it's just the most joyous occasion. And, and from there, all things will come true for the rest of your life and create this, you know, incredible, happy state for you. Not true. Right, um, right. And then, um, you know, it's in the world of sports, is all about making a name for yourself. And then you've got the enemy, that father of lies and the founder of pride. And so those, that's that, it's a really like combustible environment that if Christians don't come prepared, the pitfalls will be that, um, our pride will most likely show forth. And uh, that pride, right, the, so if, if we're talking about our passion, love of God, pride and the presence of God, the presence of God are incompatible. Mm. They're just incompatible there. And so is a very strong force, if you will, <laughs> working against you. 
and uh, you almost need a force field, right? Right, right. To stand against that, you know. I'm not a Star Wars person or whatever those things. I know you are, so help me out here. But <laughs> I guess, you know, we, we need that and we have that in him. But our pride is really going to um, come forth and kill our witness. And what happens is that pride then which is incompatible with the presence of God, love God, right? And then love your neighbor. Like, well, what's going to happen is that pride's going to go right against our neighbor. And we'll talk about it in a minute in a number of different ways. Yeah. It's going to overflow there. And that's where our witness gets absolutely killed. You know, Mm. like it's snuffed out. Out that light on the hill, man, it's just like somebody blows it out. You know, that toxin comes in there, gone is that light. That salt, no longer salty. Um, and so that that's what I want to just sit and talk about a little bit. I'll give you some personal examples, maybe here a little bit. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And you know, I think I think you're so right. You know, pride is so um, it's so deceptive. It's so sneaky, uh, the way it kind of moves in there and, and goes through because it starts, you know, it, it can start, you know, in the most humble of people, you know, as somebody who is meek and humble as, you know, they improve and get better. And sports is an avenue where you can really improve your techniques. You can get better and you can move forward and, and really push yourself and it just kind of slowly, subtly sneaks in there. And so, you know, we, we all know and understand, you know, pride is, uh, is so horrible because it takes the glory from God. It takes what is rightfully his and, and we try to take it and claim it for ourselves. And, um, so yeah, I mean, we would just, you know, I know we'd love to hear, uh, again, not for the purpose of, uh, you know, saying, oh, wow, you know, I'm doing so much better than him. But, you know, some of those examples, because you have come through those things um, where where pride was really an issue for you. Um, you know, we talked about in one of our earlier episodes, and people can go back and listen to it, that um, situation you had with that horrible ref. Um, right. And and how you handled yourself in that situation. And so, talk to us a little bit more about your experience with this in Pride. Well, and and you referred to it, you know, like in the past where he has conquered there a little bit, which I appreciated. However, right, let me tell you, nightmare, uh, messy moment, my moment, struggle. Um, you. It, it's 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 him and us that deserves all the credit for humility. There are experiences that lead us to really change our perspective, and as we mature in him, also you know you handle referees, you handle situations different. But it's a, it's a moment to moment deal. Like I can be out at a youth sports game, and and have pride creep in in a heartbeat, you yeah. know. And and we so there's a it's. You know, like I've, I've said, Andrew Murray tells us, you know, do it now, meaning that we need to abide in him now as we're confronted with these prideful moments, because 
the state of humility or sanctification just doesn't our holiness doesn't it's not there that we ever arrive at you know right it's a constant that submitting to god in those moments where those really darts you know venomous toxic darts of yes. pride shoot out at us <laughs> in, in 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 our fleshly soil they're going to be coming from the enemy they're going to be coming from the world of sports and the flesh wants to really respond to them or give fertile ground for them to be to grow and manifest and we want the spirit in us to fight against those you know because pride leads to disgrace that's what it says in proverbs 11 too it it's the source of every single quarrel it produces quarrels that's what it says in proverbs 13, 10, and, and uh, 15, 33. It leads to destruction, Proverbs 16, 18. It ends in our downfall, Proverbs 18, 12. It brings one very, very low and embarrassed and full of regrets, you know, um, Proverbs 29, 23. I mean, it causes us to lash out. Yes. Um, and, and it's and it's ugly. And oftentimes we have so much regret afterwards and all of that. So it's just the opposite. But I think uh, some of the things that's really helped me with it is to understand just how much um, God opposes it. Right. Yes. I mean, God, like it's one of the seven things when he talks about haughty eyes also in Proverbs that he literally hates. He hates pride, hates, hates, hates. And so therefore, like, as we go back to our devotion to him, our, our attitude to love him and desire to please him, we have to see that um, uh, we have to hate sin. Yeah. And I have to get to a place to hating that. And, and again, it's such a battle, Nate, because the world of sports – so accepts some of those uh, prideful responses as part of the game and normal and natural. And now here, here's our biggest issue, right? Our biggest issue is with the referees. So let me, let me just do a, a, a quick here. You know, like um, bad sportsmanship, I mean, it definitely stained um, – the, the Summer Olympics, uh, Doug Williams or ESPN wrote a, a great article about the last ones in Rio and all. And, um, and you know, he, he just talked about, you know, you've got this Olympic charter that promotes, you know, Olympianism, I guess you'd want to call it, you know, what he calls a spirit of friendship and solidarity and fair play. Um, that's what the Olympics are supposed to be about. Um, mm. I would also contest that's what the Holy Spirit would have us be all about. Yes. <laughs> you know, when we compete even more so, even to a, a different level and a depth of level there. But he said, you know, not all Olympians um, have been able to represent that, you know, pay attention, give full value to that. Uh, and he mentioned the Egyptian um who refused to shake hands after losing a judo match to an Israeli, mm-hmm. um, how our own so, you know, hope solo, uh, when we lost to Sweden said, you know, they were a bunch of, uh, we lost to a bunch of cowards. Um, 
the Irish boxer, you know, Michael yes. Cohen, went on an obscenity-laced tirade against a, um, an official after he lost. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of that. There's been a lot of violence. There was violence in one of the French basketball players, you know, at the end of a game uh, in which uh, against Spain, and he punched another guy in the groin. Um, you know, you had a, a Cuban retaliate that, re, you know, got disqualified in the semifinal Taekwondo match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he pushes a referee and he kicks a Swedish referee in the face. Yeah. I mean, just some tr- atrocious things. Um, and, and you can keep going with it. And I think that's what we, we all, number one, we have to look at the referee who seems to be that um, almost a, a magnetic force for the lashing out of our pride. Yes. And we, we have to remember he's made in the image of God. Um, we have to use a litmus test when that game ends. Does that referee want to know more about Christ or less about Christ? And I think for me, you have to, I remember like a little boy sitting in front of me, in one match and people were screaming at the referee in our section. And, um, I can't even remember whether it was good calls, bad calls, whatever, but for these people thought they were terrible calls, of course, right. and they're biased. And the referee turns to the woman next to him and it was his mother and says, why are they yelling at dad? And <laughs> it was interesting because for me, as silly as it sounds, I thought, Oh my word. Hat referee is a human being. Yes. He has a wife. He has a family, you know, and he is my neighbor. Yes. And so this, this environment is full of these pride, deceitfulness and um, selfish ambition that has a, a mix there. And that pride really can get, get to the referees and, and we as Christians have to see the referees, many who don't know the Lord, in the same light a missionary sees an unreached people group in Timbuktu and realize that we have just a serious responsibility to love them that we do to love the one who is um, – you know, without Christ in a rural area in no man's land. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I as you're as you're talking, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking um, just so much about Matthew chapter five. You know, the be the mm. beatitudes, and we have the Sermon on the Mount, and you know, it's all of these things that. Um, delve into our relationships with other people, you know, and I'm thinking particularly about this section, uh, Matthew five, um, verse 38, and it goes from 38 to 42. And if you, you've heard it said, it was said, um, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. And if anyone would sue you, um, and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with him. Um, 
and you know it goes on and and the reason why I bring up these verses is because in this small section Christ is really talking about um these relationships that we have with one another and a lot of people don't realize this because they don't go into that background and backstory of of what is going on in this historical context and i love that section of the the tunic or the cloak you know somebody asks you to you know um to to carry it you know go two miles that was a a law back in roman times and cultures that when a roman soldier saw you he could ask you to carry his equipment essentially um for however long he wanted um and the bible's saying look if that roman soldier asks you to do this for a mile i want you to go two miles basically this is your enemy this is the person who is imprisoning you imprisoning you holding you under and i want you to show them that extra measure of love and kindness and so when we look out in the field who is it out there that we would view as our enemies, right. you know, is it the ref? Is it, you know, the, the other coach, is it the other players? And, you know, with, without even hesitating, is there something that in there we could say, Hey, you know, ref, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate how tough this was for you today. Um, you know, going to the coaches, Hey coaches, you know, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy lives and schedules, <laughs> you know, to, uh, to do this for our children. And what are those things where we can go the extra mile for those people that we might consider our quote unquote enemies where God has really said, Oh, these, these are your neighbors. You may call them enemies, but these are your neighbors. And these are the ones that I have called you to love. Yeah, absolutely. You know, great, great thoughts there. Um, the whole sermon out is, is perfect perfect less are those who are meek Mm -hmm. right yeah but i just if we just focus and you're so so true like just focus on these refs and what you've just said there and our call in the sense that what a ministry christians can have to referees what of being able to be counter-cultural in our love for them and and as we you know if we seek you know our our children to learn to love our neighbor what better training ground than the environment of competitive sports and so we need as fathers and mothers to role model it if we get the chance to coach youth teams we should be sure that we stand up and say to our to our players and to our parents that we will not tolerate negative comment at all to the referee Mm. and really stand up to that. Do you you know, like sadly today, um, it is now a crime in 22 states to assault referees. Um, That's a good thing, but it's sad we've come to that place because the assaults have just escalated so much so there's literally a shortage in referees around the country, around the country. Yes. And, and, and it's and what I'm saying is like, what if Christians could have the opposite influence, you know, even as a parent sitting in the stands or whatever, you know, or voicing it before the season in a parent's meeting? Listen, let's take a stand here. 
Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's be different and let's allow our kids to have a great experience playing without us hammering the referee. You can even have that type of influence as a Christian on your team um, and not, you know, tolerate some of that. But but coaches and league officials need to mandate it and parents need to be warned if they step um, over that line and they need to be then suspended from coming to games if they cannot control themselves. Yes. Um, more, more and more youth, uh, there are some different signs at some different youth fields that say, you know, a lot of different things. And one of them says, remember, you know, these kids are just learning. They're not pros. You right, know, so right. Keep things in perspective, you know, um, and, and I think e- even in that Matthew 5 where you read, you know, Jesus teaches about anger there in verse 21. That goes right with what we're saying here. Yes. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his referee, oh, sorry, his brother, (laughs) will be subject to judgment. Yes. What? So, again, and I I read, like, in the NIV, the notes, I mean, isn't this brilliant? Um, Killing is a terrible sin. But anger is a great sin as well because it violates God's command to love. Mm. You yes. see what see what's happening here is this anger when it manifests itself against our neighbor, and specifically we're talking about a referee, it violates. We've got to own this. We've got to see the seriousness in this. God's command to love. Anger in this case refers to a seething, a brooding bitterness against someone. It is a dangerous emotion that always threatens to leap out of control, Mm. leading to violence, emotional hurt, increased mental stress, and spiritual damage. Anger keeps us from developing, this is so key, anger keeps us from developing a spirit pleasing to God. Have you ever been proud that you didn't strike out and say what was really on your mind? Question mark. Self-control is good, mm. but Christ wants us to practice thought control as well. Jesus said that as we will be held accountable, even for our attitudes, even for that anger against referees. And so from a real practical standpoint, it's just one thing, you know, I want to end with and dwell on here with is like, we've got to own the seriousness of this today. We've got to own the seriousness of lashing out in pride and how pride manifests itself against referees, officials, who are actually authorities. Mm. And if we in church say we're to respect authority of our teachers, our 
you know, government officials, our, you know, pastors, our leaders, our teachers, every, that includes referees, parents, fathers, step up to the plate and hit a home run like David Ross did for the Cubbies <laughs> and, 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 and respect them and have that influence, that aroma from Christ spill forth to others, spread that influence, model that, influence others, take a stand for that, a countercultural stand against that toxin that will, that will kill our witness, that will have, create spiritual damage in us, that will cause emotional harm to so many referees. It's even cost officials lives. Mm. You know, people have actually been killed. With, and, and this is a, this is kind of a, you know, a, a story that you may laugh at, and, and it is funny to a certain extent, but it's really not. And that's what I remember a story from over in Africa, Uganda, actually, when a, a gentleman shared with me that, you know, two Christian teams were playing each other in a soccer match, and the referee called uh, a, a penalty in, in the closing minutes uh, of, the, of the game, and the other team stepped up and made it, and the one Christian team went bonkers who was on the losing end of it. And a Christian team, a church, it's representing a church. And the official <clears throat> had to run for his life. The entire team was chasing him after they lost. He had to jump a fence to, um, to get away from them. I mean, y- you want to laugh at that scene as you look at it, but that's what's so sickening yeah that's what's so sad that's what this environment competitive sports can do with this vortex of dysfunction it can change us to become somebody we don't want to be um because these toxins are coming at us we have to fight against them we need the presence of god in us when we go into this environment and so i'm i'm challenging everybody who's listening today to go on the rest of the season or the next season that they're in or starting tomorrow, you know, um, this week at practice, uh, you know, begin working uh, as you go into these competitions on controlling yourself from the standpoint of submitting to God, so the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control responds to that challenging moment that we will face with a referee the next time we have them and build upon that one self-control moment to the next. And, and what I ask you to do is take a scripture, pick out any one of these, you know, um, on humility or, or pride and <clears throat> what God says about it, how he opposes it, put it in your heart, meditate on it, ask God to, Convict you of where you've fallen short here. Confess your sins and ask forgiveness and, and ask him to work in your heart in such a powerful way that when you go there, um, you're just different and you spread that influence. Um, I, I just I remember a dear friend of mine who coaches well and he, he uh, lost it on a referee. The next day he was in church and uh, wouldn't you know, the offering is being passed around and he's at the end of the row and the, the um, deacon hands him the, the offering plate 
and he looks at him, and it's the referee mm. from the day before. Mm. And, oh, that heavy heart and conviction, right? Of like, oh, my word. Uh, he asked for forgiveness after the service and all. But I want to really think of that, think how you'd feel then, and just treat this individual like he's far from Christ. He's your mission field. He's on your mission field. Just like the missionary who was way out in Papua New Guinea trying to reach the unreached. Mm. That's so good and um, so much for us to think about and process and and look at. And I, I love what you said about, you know, taking one of those verses and really meditating on that. Um, you know, during this week, during this period, um, so that we can focus on how can we love our neighbor better. Um, so we, uh, we're going to go ahead. We went a little over, but, um, it's so important. I thought it was so important that we really take time to delve into this more practical application of these pitfalls and how can we really begin to deal with them. So, um, thank you once again, Brian, we're going to go ahead and, um, sign off and, uh, just remember that all of these things that we've been talking about today are only possible through the glory of the impossible.